Time to Jet podcast. Happy Christmas and New Year's and everything since then. It's been a while. How have you been? If you're listening to this for the first time, perhaps by mistake, and wonder what this podcast is about, well, the After Jet podcast is about the careers and lives of the Jet alumni community. And if you're wondering what the Jet program is, check the footnotes for this episode. If you've listened to past episodes, you'll know the alumni have gone on to various careers like journalism, being a teacher on a floating school, or working in forensics for the police. I find it all really fascinating, and I hope you will too, and perhaps even helpful, if you're pondering a career whether post-jet or in general. In this episode, I'll be speaking to Raylene Mori, who has been a journalist, a programmer, a past president of Jet AA Victessa in Melbourne, Jet AA country representative for Australia, She's just done a lot. And if that's not enough, recently went full-time on her own, doing content, editing, and marketing under her own company, Words by Birds. We'll talk about knowing when it's a good time to launch full-time into your side business, the importance of standing up for yourself, especially as a female entrepreneur, and show that every situation is different when figuring out life. See you after the show. Well, my name is Raylene Mori, but um, I go by Ray, and I was in Japan on JET from 2008 to 2009, so for 12 months. Um, I was based in uh, Yaizushi in Shizuoka Prefecture. Um, so Yaizu is actually, well, I'm originally from Tasmania, and Yaizu is uh, Hobart, sister city. So when I applied for JET, I put Yaizu down as my first preference, and um, shockingly, I got my first preference for Jet, which is extremely, extremely rare. But I must, I've got to admit, putting IZ down was a bit of a strategy on my part because I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'm from Hobart. Not many people apply from Tasmania. You have put IZ down, maybe I'll actually get accepted to Jet. Um, and it just so happened that the um, the uh, Jet who was leaving um, one of the schools in Yaizu. Um, he was finishing up after four years and mm-hmm. me applying for Yozu was just perfect timing to replace him. Um, and what I do now as a career, I, um, I work for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I run a um, copywriting slash content marketing agency um, that specialises in um, oh, all kinds of marketing, online marketing and, and digital copywriting for uh, online businesses. Why did you dis- why did you decide to take the leap into a business for yourself? Oh, I don't know. I guess I guess it was a bit <laughs> of a natural career progression, to be honest. When I was at uni, I did not a double degree, but I did a double major. So I did a Bachelor of Arts and I majored in journalism and um, computer science, which is a bit of an unusual pairing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when I was growing up, I was a bit of a nerd. I loved writing and I also loved computers. So I thought, oh, I'm going to do both. One day I'm going to work for like one of those online digital magazines or something. So I thought I was going to do. Um, but instead, I, I ended up working as a newspaper journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a few years of doing that, I um, did the JET program because I also studied Japanese in high school and I wanted to, yeah, live in Japan and, and experience what life was like over there. Um, then after JET, I ended up um, going back into journalism for a few years, working for News Limited in Victoria. And then and then I, I saw one day I'd, around the time when there were a lot of redundancies happening in newspapers, I saw a, a 
job ad on seek.com.au for a writing job for a WordPress company, um, a, a company that um, specialises in developing web, um, online solutions for WordPress sites. So I applied there and I got that job and so I ended up writing for them mm-hmm. doing content marketing. Mm-hmm. So that was a kind of a bit of a, a jump into tech. And so anyway, long-winded story short, <laughs> so after doing that for almost five years and becoming the managing editor of, of that company, I decided that what I really wanted to do was, well, I've always had in the back of my mind that I thought I'd end up running my own business. And so while I was at my old job, um, I started doing a bit of side hustling, my own kind of work on the sides. So I started off contacting a couple of people. I, I wrote a bit, a bit of a business plan for what I want to do, contacted a few potential clients, and then over over about six months that kind of snowballed into one from one client into about ten. Wow. <laughs> and I was working weeknights and weekends and, and then full-time at my old job and I just decided I was driving my boyfriend crazy and so I decided, yeah, it's time, like this is actually going to work. It's time to quit my old job. So that's when I went full-time with my business, which is called Words by Birds. How did you know the, the tipping point to actually go into business for yourself? Uh, could you go into detail, like what what were the signs that you saw that prompted you to to do that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess uh, I, I learned a lot of skill. Like I had a lot of skills in journalism, and also from my managing editor job at my that I used to have. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to kind of combine my skills and, and do my side hustle and kind of test the waters, like running. Uh, running my business initially as a bit of a, a side hustle and testing the waters and seeing how that went was, mm-hmm. a, I guess, a safe way of seeing whether there there was, you know, viability in, in the business. Um, originally, uh, I looked at different ways for testing viability, doing surveys and talking to people, but mm-hmm. it was just really hard to get any firm data Mm. People say things, but then they might not want to actually hire somebody. Anyway, so I thought, okay, let's just I'll just start things slowly, see if people want some ongoing work. And the more, the more that work that I did, um, mm. and my name started to get out there, the more I thought, well, crap, I don't actually have to advertise so much. People, re- there's a real need for for like decent online writing and quality content online. Yeah. Uh, and and one story that kind of sticks out for me is um, last year I went to the US for a bit of a holiday with my boyfriend and um, on our last day of the trip we were both exhausted. We, were, we had a day to kill in San Francisco and uh, so, and Marcus said to me, oh, I, I want to catch up with one of my old friends from uni. Do you mind if we spend our last day with him? <laughs> and I said, oh, are you serious? Like, <laughs> I really just want to like go lie on the grass in a park and like, not yeah. do anything because that holiday just been so busy. But um, we did end up going to a park and lying on the grass. Uh, his friend Brent met us there and it turned out that Brent, um, he, he runs a business, a WordPress business, which I didn't know. And as we sat on the grass kind of getting to know each other and like Marcus and Brent were catching up and I was like, so what do you actually do? I, I said to him, what do you do? And he said, oh, I, I run an e-commerce business. I said, what kind of e-commerce business? Because a lot of people who work in WordPress don't just say, hey, I work in WordPress because people are like, oh. <laughs> software but it's actually yeah. like it powers 30 percent of the internet and people don't realize how powerful it is and like it mm. is quite pervasive now and so it eventually came out that he was starting uh, a new product and he needed help with marketing and and content marketing for it so i said yeah well let's let's work together and 
and now he's one of my clients. Wow. <laughs> and as we were like um, hanging out in San Fran, he was saying, yeah, you've got a great business model. Like, he's been in business for quite a number of years now. And he said, yeah, like there's definitely people I can see that business working really well. And that was kind of like a, like for him, he he does a lot of work with WooCommerce and to, yeah. to hear that kind of validation from someone who runs quite a successful business was was also a bit of a tipping point, I guess, in knowing that I was heading in the right direction. Right. So he was a bit of a mentor, I suppose. Sounded like that. Uh, not a mentor so much as, yeah, just somebody I respect in the WordPress community. He's done really well with his own products. Did you get a lot of advice or too much advice or too little advice or not right advice? <laughs> advice. I don't know. It's a bit of a hard one because... So, so what I'm doing is focusing on providing quality copywriting, editing, email marketing, social media strategies, content strategies for, for websites. And there aren't a lot of people who are doing that online mm. or they're all based around the world and doing different aspects. So there hasn't really been anyone that I've, I've gone to seeking mentorship. It would be awesome if there was. <laughs> But right. there's just people, it, it's kind of one of those fields that's still developing, like the, the online environment's constantly changing when it comes to content marketing. I don't have any particular mentors, but I listen to a lot of pod, podcasts to kind of get ideas and to just know that I'm not just just making things up as I go along, which I am in, in a way, but also to know that I'm not just like going a bit crazy. Um, yeah. I love the how I built this podcast. Um, if you've ever listened to that, it's this great podcast um, about, that interviews with people who run really successful businesses and how they basically just um, faked it until they made it and right. suddenly earn millions of dollars a year. <laughs> um, and there are also lots of really good kind of entrepreneurship podcasts like the Melissa Griffin podcast and mm -hmm. Kathy Heller. Um, and I, I guess I kind of get my inspiration from, from those kinds of listening to those kinds of interviews um, I also keep in touch, like there, there are other um, people who work in the WordPress community that I keep in touch with um, and chat with regularly just to know that um, there are other people out there who are kind of hustling and doing their own businesses and I'm not alone working in front of my computer all day. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think, yeah, I mentioned before the challenges and triumphs and I don't know if, if there's, is there like a particular kind of difficulty some one of my friends she's a she's 23 24 and she's starting out as a young entrepreneur and one of the things she often complains about is not being taken seriously at least in sydney and at least in the entrepreneurial sphere mm -hmm. because she says probably due to her gender and i'm not sure would would you say that that's a uh, it's kind of an obstacle or attitude you've run into and you've had to mm. fight against. Interesting question, yeah. Um, because I've worked in, I, I guess when I was a young journalist, people didn't mm. take me very seriously when I was in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe because I was a woman, it's hard to kind of, when I look back on it now, I'm not really sure. Um, especially working in IT, mm -hmm. um, people do judge you based on your gender unfortunately like mm -hmm. the, the last job I had um like I, I did computer science and I know how to code but um a lot of the developers or the guys I worked with who just dismissed me as you know yeah. being someone who didn't know any of that kind of technology or development which is a yeah. bit hard so um so I often had to just put them in their place because if you don't call, 
if you don't, and it took me a while to learn that if you don't call it out and make people feel a bit dumb for making yeah. assumptions, they're just going to keep perpetuating those stereotypes, and yeah. and that's that's um, a disservice to other women if you don't kind of speak up because yeah. I found. I've actually I was just saying to my boyfriend today um uh I'm, I'm doing a bit of hiring for my business at the moment and oh, cool. I've done a lot of hiring in the past in my old job I hired and fired and mm-hmm. <laughs> I found that t- like typically guys tend to um a lot more confident and some even oversell themselves mm. women are a lot more cautious and don't want to oversell their skills because they're a lot they, they doubt themselves a lot more mm-hmm. um and I found that really frustrating because it, I couldn't tell how good a lot of women writers were until they actually contribute, contributed work. Mm. Yeah, I just really wish that they'd step up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I need to do that a little bit to, mm. to be an example. Yeah. But I've found, like with my own business, I haven't found any kind of, I haven't found anyone being sexist towards mm. me in my job. Um, I think as a result of my experiences working in my old job and in journalism, I am pretty upfront and I don't make apologies to clients. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I do kind of push things a little bit further in emails to see what I can what I can achieve and, and get from people rather than make concessions. And I think that's that's something that a lot of women entrepreneurs need to learn early on. If you don't, if you if you if you constantly make apologies, mm. if you don't put yourself forward and and be confident in your skills and what you're able to provide, then people, mm. someone else is going to do that. And it's probably going to be a guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was going to say. Yeah, women tend to be taught from a young age to not be too proud or not to be too loud and to always apologize for yeah for for uh, take the blame and they end up feeling guilty in a lot of situations like it's their own fault if something r- bad happens a man will a, ba- a man will never do that no, <laughs> never. Be someone else's fault because so and so didn't pull their weight or whatever but yeah yeah and that sucks <laughs> yeah when, at my old job i, I mentored um a younger writer and I helped her a lot with her writing and, and early on she was constantly apologizing if if you know if she was sick and she couldn't hand something in on time she'd be apologizing and then afterwards she'd be still apologizing a couple of weeks later and over like two or three years that we worked together I just kind of tried to boost her confidence a bit because she was amazing she was better than all the other writers on my team but she just didn't believe it, and it, it's it more comes it comes from believing in yourself and your own skills, and not thinking that you're lesser than anybody else. Mm. And I mean that's true of, of anybody, but but a, a particularly a lot of women, a young younger women, suffer from from that imposter syndrome. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So you manage a group of people. How I, I've in my current job, when my boss is away, I'm, I manage the office, which is not big, but big enough. And I find it a, a challenge dealing with personalities and and things like that. Like how do you how do you manage people? Well, timelines. I mean, they're not working in the same place as you. Mm. I, I take it it's all scattered around the world. Yeah. But how did you handle that? For your business um well i'm just starting to hire at the moment actually gonna have to fire <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hiring. 
Oh, I, yeah. I wanted him to be good, but he's just, he oversold himself, actually. Mm. So um, just uh, set, set me a, a piece of writing just littered with mistakes. I'm going to have to cut him loose. But um, in my old job, I yeah, I was managing editor for a blog and, um, yeah, I managed a team of about 10, 10 or 12 writers. And they weren't all full-time. They are all contractors who contributed different bits and pieces. But, yeah, lots of different personalities. Um, it, it maybe it might be a bit easier managing people in a distributed workforce. I don't know so much about in an office environment. Actually, no, I did. I, I, I always forget when I was editing for News Limited, I, I had, had a team of journalists and photographers I looked after and they were all very very different um managing personalities is is a fun thing i think um the problem with a lot of managers is they try to be like really good mates with everybody that they're managing and it just doesn't work um and then um then they get upset that people don't want to invite them out for drinks or do certain things but the fact Mm. is everybody wants to complain about their boss (laughs) yeah um so that makes it really hard when you go from working with people to suddenly managing them. That's happened to me in the past, but you kind of have, just have to kind of accept that. Um, I think I think it's important to remember um, that you've done their job in the past, mm-hmm. but also to um, to recognise their strengths and weaknesses, and 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 helping like mentoring them and helping them to develop in areas where they can um, excel. Mm-hmm. bring out bring out the best in them um i think that's really important to as well as uh encouraging people letting people know when they've done a good job if you're constantly telling people they're not doing very well they get downtrodden and don't want to contribute anymore but yeah. if you if you recognize achievements that that gives people incentive to keep working harder i'm going to uh take you back to jet now uh, so a few of the past interviews i've done my subject matter they've always pointed to a hobby or something they've done during their jet times which eventually led to their current career uh, was there anything when you were doing jet was there anything that you were doing that was related to what you're doing now or yeah, kind of <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it led directly to what I do, but it's kind of just things that I love doing that, yeah, I was thinking about this the other night actually. Like when I went to uni, as I said, I do journalism and mm. computer science now, both things I've always been interested in. Um, so when I was um, on JET, um, there was a call out for people to help um, with contributing and working on the Shizuoka Chronicle, which is mm. um, a yearly publication. <laughs> Um, that's put together by um, jets in Shizuoka that um, contain stories and photos and other kinds of content contributed by jets in that community. Mm. Uh, so I ended up becoming editor of that mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, put put together, like did all the layout and everything, the sub-editing for that, can, can, uh, collected stories and worked with some writers in the jet community, put that together, and that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was good to, yeah, we had some great photography in that, stories about people climbing Mount Fuji because that was in our area there and different stories about the jet experience. Um, so that was one thing linked to journalism. Um, as far as web development, computer science goes, um, this is completely a different track, but um, I did the um, Oxfam Trailwalker Challenge while I was yeah. over in Japan. Yeah. Um, some good friends of mine over there had a, their fourth team member pull out 
a couple months before it started and they mm-hmm. called me in because they knew I liked hiking and said, join our team, please. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, it's sports. 100 kilometers in two days how am i going to do that but i joined anyway yeah. um and to help with donations i created a like i designed a blog for us and encouraged the other guys to to write for that and so that was a bit of fun putting together a website and blog and and it's still up online somewhere <laughs> <laughs> but, that's um, your legacy <laughs> yeah but um that was a fun thing to work on because i like um tinkering around with websites Okay. Was yeah. there anything from your jet experience do you think was uh, invaluable? I mean, whether it's, it's doesn't have to be career-wise, but how, what do you think, like, jet was just amazing? You don't think you would have been able to get anywhere else? Um, I think, uh, I think at that point in my time when I went on jet, I was 24. Mm-hmm. and um, a little bit older now and um, I was a young woman back then and so I think like jet, moving to Japan was such a big deal for me as it, as it will be for any young person heading overseas and, and living and working in a completely different country the first time. I'd never been to Japan before. I'd studied Japanese but I'd never been there and all of a sudden I was living there and had no idea what was happening around me, you know, trying to work out what everything was mm. about and what was going on and... Um, I think that whole experience, like when I look back on it now, it was such a confidence booster. It was, um, I learned so much about getting out of my comfort zone and trying things that I hadn't tried before, um, meeting people. Yeah, it was, it was, it just showed me that I was um, capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. You know, such as, you know, your first week there, suddenly getting naked with everyone you know at, like, <laughs> orientation <laughs> in the onsen, I should add, in the onsen because it was required. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I just had so many experiences that helped shape me and um, just affirm for me that I, I did love writing and so I eventually came back to Australia and continued mm. with that. And it was it was just so different from my lived experience beforehand that, um, it gave me a different perspective on on what I had back home and it made me appreciate things a lot more. Not that I didn't appreciate what happened in Japan and my life over there, but it was just so different from what I had over here that it gave me a new take on um, the work that I had beforehand and what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and, yes, I'll, I'll always appreciate Jet for that experience. Yeah, yeah, same here. When you came back from Jet... Uh, how did you deal with settling back in and job hunting everything, really? Oh, that, that's with that's everything. Really, with yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, it's coming back from jet and and job hunting is sucks. Like it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah. goes through it. I had had job job experience beforehand. I, I was working for a newspaper beforehand, so I was kind of lucky in that sense that. I had working experience to fall back on. For a lot of mm-hmm. people who haven't had that before, it can be a bit harder to get a job when you come back to Australia. Mm. I had moved from Hobart to um, Japan, and when I left Jet, I moved to Melbourne. So I was also getting used to a completely different city that I hadn't lived in before and navigating that. As far as job hunting, oh, well, I guess firstly uh, it was a bit of a culture shock coming home. Mm. Um you get so used to life in Japan and suddenly you're in Australia where, like, I remember, I distinctly remember um, going into a Vodafone store to get a new phone when I came back to Australia 
and the staff in the store just not giving a can I can I swear on this podcast? Oh, I just, yeah. They just did not give a shit about me being in there. And like when when you're in Japan, where everybody is just so attentive to your needs, when you go into a store and go, they go out of their way to help you, when you're in a in a shop in Australia, and the staff just couldn't care less about you being in there, I don't want to help you. It's just it was major major shock. I remember standing there thinking. Do these people not want my money? Because this is what Australia is like for people from Japan who come over to visit. Yeah. So it was little things like that. And also I had to stop myself from bowing all the time and, you know, <laughs> saying sorry to people. You know? So that took that took a bit of getting used to. Mm. Um, as far as job hunting goes, uh, yeah, that was tough. I spent so much time on selection criteria for jobs, which is just yeah. the worst working on my resume, applying for jobs, a lot just jobs. Every day I was applying applying for jobs and just getting a bit depressed because nothing was catching. Um, but I made it uh, a priority to um, try and get some temp work when I arrived. So I signed up to some agencies like Hudson's to mm-hmm. get on their list. You know, you do the touch typing test and I got some, um, I got some temp work doing um, secretarial work and admin for like an aged care home. Um, another place I did envelope licking for a hospital. Um, but then after a few months of doing different kinds of temp work for, for this one particular agency, I can't remember what it was called in Melbourne, but after the envelope licking, I was asked to do some admin work for Hungry Jacks and I was like, oh, my God, no, I can't do that. And luckily, like a week later, I was offered a job working as working in communications for the Australian um, Council of Educational Research and that mm. was pretty amazing. I wasn't there for too long because then I, I got poached by News Limited. But the thing is that once you get one job, it's, you know, when it rains, it pours. Mm. Um, yeah, I started, I got a couple of different offers at the same time because when you're putting your resume everywhere, eventually something comes. So I think it's just being super proactive, mm-hmm. just taking everything and not being picky because once you've got one job, you're guaranteed something else is going to come along. Yeah. Um, and just working your contacts, um, talking to everyone you know and, and getting tips and advice and a lot because yeah. a lot of jobs aren't advertised. You have to know the right people for a lot it's of networking. Your job. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. A lot of networking. Um but back when I came back, LinkedIn wasn't around. Now mm. that's a great resource for connecting with people, finding jobs. Um, there are so many more websites, Seek, Glassdoor for finding um, jobs online. Yeah. I'm uh, for, for me it took um I think it was like around three or four months before I found a full-time job. I was te- I was working temp jobs during that time as well, but that just felt like forever. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know a lot of jets do like, have have it tougher and and don't find jobs quite that quickly. But yeah, it's you just have to try everything you can. Uh, what if you were feeling lost? Like, how would you know what you wanted to be or what you might want to do? Uh, like some people. I've spoken to are at a loss and often that's why they stayed in Japan for five years mm-hmm. because not because they necessarily like the job or they like teaching as a vocation. I mean, obviously they love the country, but it could be they just have no idea what they'd want to do, especially if you came straight out of university. Yeah, that's a really tough one. To be honest, I can't really relate that well because I always – kind of knew you were, yeah. what I wanted to do. When I was more involved with JAA Victaz SA, we had we had quite a few members here in that boat who mm. had come back and, and weren't really sure what they wanted to do. 
it's hard. I think my best advice is to just talk to a lot of people, find out what other people are doing because there might be some kind of career or or job that you don't know even exists and you might talk to someone and realise, wow, that's actually that'd be really cool. That's what I want to do. Mm. A lot of chapters offer um, networking events, dinners, mm-hmm. um, karaoke nights. Um, in, in Melbourne we have quarterly dinners where you can we all go to somewhere for dinner and catch mm. up. It's a good place to chat. Um, going to events, Jet AO events are a great way to see what other people have done with their careers since Jet, and so I highly recommend going to those. The ones in Melbourne are always awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, just talking widely um, and, and really working out what you enjoy doing. I mean, the reality is, like, these days you don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher. There are so many different jobs out there, and especially online, that you might not even know exist. I mean, I got, I find it hard to explain what I do to people because they don't even know it exists. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, N- networking widely and learning from other people is a good way to start. So we talked we talked a bit about finding out what you like to do, for example, but say someone listening to this on the off chance uh, mm-hmm. thought that your career is something that they would like to try out for. What sort of advice would you give them? Obviously, you talked about networking, sending a resume out, getting your your intentions and the word out there that this Mm -hmm. is what you want. But if they didn't have the benefit of a prior career or a degree, uh, what do you think they could do? I don't think degrees are really a prerequisite for getting a lot of job these days. I know a lot of people do what I do without degrees. It certainly helps, um, but I don't think like I, I hear a lot of people who say I have to go back to university to study this or that. Yeah. There are like developers online who earn really good coin without having any kinds of degrees. They're all self-taught. Yeah. Um, there are lots of ways to to get into careers or get specific jobs without having to go back to school for a long time. Um, as far as, as far as what I do, content marketing goes, I mean, if someone wanted to get into that, you know, there's so many copywriting courses online or adult ed courses in the general community. Um, so that's a good start. Also, as I said, LinkedIn's a great place for getting in touch with people. There's also the JAA LinkedIn group. So if you got onto there and just ask a question of the group, you know, does anyone work in this particular field or can you point me in the right direction of someone who works in it? I'd love to connect with them and find out more. I'm part of the a few different JDA um, Facebook groups and they're a good way to connect with people just putting a question out there mm-hmm. um, just putting yourself out there because if unless you kind of um, make it easy for that information to come to you it's not going to come your way you kind Be of proactive yeah yeah you have to kind of put in like you said put the intention out there and and hope that information comes to you and make it easier for that information to come your way being part of groups and being involved um you know even i know for a lot of introverts it's, it can be hard to do that to put yourself out there but i don't know I, I tend to think to myself what's the worst that could happen putting putting a question into a Facebook group and asking for help. You know, everybody is so self-conscious about being, you know, making themselves vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But if you really want something, you kind of have to put that out into the world, you know, post in a group, you know, does anyone know somebody who can help me put, you know, put me in the right direction? And the great thing about the the JET and the JET AA community is that there are people in so many different fields. I mean, just in Melbourne, I can think of people who, like, for example, this is so the 
um, past JDA committee, we've got someone who's currently leading um, a $40 million disability in schools project for the education department wow. here. Another guy is he's just finished his training to become an um, uh, airport control, what are they called, traffic controller for airports. Mm. Yeah. That's a like 1% of the population in Australia is able to do that job because it's extreme multitasking. Yeah. Um, we've got Japanese teachers. We've got, oh, what else? Um, uh, Becky, who's who's become like a beer expert and she's working <laughs> for a beer company now. I mean, <laughs> but there's no... There's no limit to what you can do. And I think a, a lot of um, former Jets do end up, I know, I know quite a few people have gone on to become teachers and work as Japanese teachers, but um, a lot of people who just had a, a real a fascination and a love of Japan but have gone in completely different directions with their careers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is worth, you know, asking the question if there's someone in the particular field that you're interested in um, knowing more about um, mm. because there's always someone to talk to who can at least if they can't help you with their own information, they can point you in the right direction of someone who, who can. Yeah. Uh, if I could just sneak one more question in yeah, about sure. the, going to uh, business for yourself, any advice? Oh, I've had a few people ask me that since I started my business. <laughs> um, I think... I was actually talking to another jet at an event last year about this because we've had completely different um, experiences. This guy, Peter, he started his own business. And, um, Peter Gillum. Yes, Peter yes, Gillum. He's my, he was in Iwaki with me and he was my um, ASL. I oh, really? Well. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. He is fantastic. Big giant of a man, but really fantastic. Super friendly, yeah. But he was yeah. telling me about how he started his business before. Um, and he just went all in, quit his job, started from scratch and tried to build his business and he found that exhausting and really hard whereas I um, start, like spent six months kind of working a side hustle and building that up before getting to the tipping point where it was just like, I can't do this anymore. I need to actually have a life outside of working yeah. 24-7. Yeah, yeah. And then I quit my job and was able to continue focusing on business. And they're both, they're both valid ways to to start a business I, I think in my experience it was a bit safer to mm. start in my free time it absorbed my life I think my boyfriend got quite sick of me always working weekends and he stopped asking me if I wanted to do things but um but now I think like that gamble paid off mm. so I think my advice would be um to, to do that like if you have a business idea start by spending spending some time working on a business plan and I think a lot of people get scared off by working on a business plan because it's this oh important document but really it's just there's no real like template for putting one together it's, it's really right just answer. I think yeah. people are just uh, intimidated that if they don't get it right the first time it's going to screw up the rest of their lives oh god no yeah. no yeah yeah I mean my my business plan is a bit of like a um, ongoing, evolving document that I've mm. changed a few times. It's really just a place where I've, I've set my goals for what I want to achieve with my business, kind of listed out um, what it is I want to do and I've got um, financial goals and and also um, other kinds of achievements I want to reach over the next three, six, 12 months, couple of years. Um, mm. It's Yeah, it's an evolving document where I've just, like I, it's a brain dump of what I want to do with my business. So I, I did one of those before I kind of got stuck into 
um, getting more cli- getting clients. And over time, like before I quit my last job and went full time with my business, that like I was able to spend that time kind of working out, okay, you know, this is going to work. Maybe that's not going to work. I should go in this direction and try different things. Yeah, just having having a document that's kind of like a um, a plan that helped to organise my thoughts and yeah. working a side hustle helped me kind of validate, okay, yeah, this is going to work. So, um, yeah, I, I highly recommend those two aspects of starting a business. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one. So one of one my of friends, Jessie, who yeah, um, did the Oxford Travel and so she's a jet as well. I think she left the year after I wa- I left, but she was in Canada and um, she's living in Calgary now. I saw her last year. I went to Canada and mm-hmm. climbed the mountain together. That was pretty cool. So we spent the whole time walking up and down the mountain talking about our career. Like, we hadn't seen each other for about five years or something mm. and we're just catching up on life and then it kind of started to get really deep and meaningful to about careers <laughs> what we've been doing since chat relationships families yeah and um she is a bit of a like a career um student so she's gone from doing masters and phds and she's just been accepted into four schools to do another phd well no hang on this will be her first phd because she's doing that and when we were talking, like I was just kind of, this was last August when I'd been running my business for like three or four months and I was still like working a couple of jobs and um, she's interested in consulting and possibly starting her own business one day. She listens to a lot of entrepreneurship podcasts too. Mm. And then um, I emailed, I messaged her on Facebook the other day and and she was t- I said, you know, what are you up to, you know, um, she asked me about starting how I started my business. I said, you know, if I know you're interested in, in starting your own business, and if you started something, I know that it would succeed because she's the kind of person mm-hmm. that is just amazingly capable and can do anything. And I said that to her, and she said she only replied yesterday and said, "I'm so sorry it took me so long to get back to you because what you said just got me thinking for two weeks about what I want to do with my life." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, that's a lot of responsibility." But now she's, she's been accepted into four different schools to do a PhD and she's mm. like, I don't know what I want to do with my life now. And I feel like, oh, no, I said something that triggered her. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, like, she's, yeah, same age as us, you mm. know, 30s and, and she's like, do I want to be a poor student for mm. four or five years? Mm. It's a hard one. Like, you kind of get to this age and you kind of, like, making career choices gets it gets harder and harder as you get older it happens i think every 10 years you probably or <laughs> depending yeah you go into this sort of self-existential crisis <laughs> and your your priorities definitely change yeah. like i think not that i'm anywhere near retirement but i almost Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> if you were that would be amazing <laughs> yeah well you know what i mean I'm retiring i mean because from my own experience i've kind of just combine everything I've learnt and started my own business. Mm. And that's what I, yeah, I feel like I've just naturally got to this point. Mm. There's so much room for inventing careers these days online. Yeah, I mean, a lot of job, new jobs, whatever, are just repackaged or basically jobs being cut up, old job, old job titles or responsibility, responsibilities being cut up and recombined, really, to come to form a new mutant. There is a lot of room to... To make shit up. <laughs> yeah, no, there is because everybody's yeah. just kind of going through life and business just making making shit up. <laughs> no 
one knows what they're doing. <laughs> So go forth and make up that shit. Create a career that sticks to the fan. You'll never know what you'll hit successfully. Not one of my best metaphors, but uh, hopefully you'll get the right message somewhere in there. <laughs> Moving on. Thanks very much to Ray for taking time out to have a chat. I hope you found that inspiring and useful, or at least entertaining. Feel free to give a five-star rating on iTunes because that's what I hear other podcasts talk about, and that's what I should say too, I guess. See you for our next episode. Bye. The Afterjet Podcast is supported by Claire, the Council of Local Authorities for International Relations, but is otherwise an independent project by me, Ian Law. All opinions and ideas discussed on the Afterjet Podcast do not necessarily represent the views or position of Claire or any organization or department associated with Claire. Thank you, as always, to everyone who has supported and made this little project of mine possible.